Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to be chatting with Van Lee, Director of HR at Lighthouse Labs. And we're going to be talking about the role of HR in helping to reskill and upskill employees. Van Lee has over a dozen years of progressive HR leadership experience in both BC and Ontario within the nonprofit, technology, finance, and cannabis industries. She's been a part of many change management strategies, including international expansions, public listings, and M&A activities. Now as the director of HR for Lighthouse Labs, she hopes to bring her personal journey of being a career reskiller to other professionals seeking training and education alternatives. Lighthouse Labs teaches people to learn to code in 12 weeks and do it in a way that truly prepares students for amazing careers. Operating out of Canada's most dynamic tech hubs with campuses in Vancouver, Toronto, Calgary, Victoria, Montreal and Ottawa, Lighthouse Labs combines a mentors community of 60 plus full-time developers with an agile curriculum that emphasizes building real software. This has allowed them to achieve a great result for its students, a 93% employment rate for job-seeking graduates within 120 days of program completion. Van, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Thank you very much for having me, Bill. So beyond my wee introduction there, please tell our listeners a bit more about yourself, your career history, and your role at Lighthouse Labs. I have worked in a very diverse set of industries that was kind of by design and quite a bit of it kind of by chance. Uh, I started off thinking that I wanted to be in finance and become a CPA, uh, and then I landed here in HR. So it's a bit of a windy trajectory, and I think that is a good match with what Lighthouse Labs' ethos is. You know, we believe that you can change your career uh, and that it doesn't have to be as challenging and um, as cumbersome as people think. Okay, but it's a big, scary step, right? You know, you're you're, you're, you're on one career path for five, ten, maybe more years, um, but actually you're probably not enjoying it that much and you'd rather be doing something else. How, how can you go about making that, that leap? What, what does it take in, in terms of, uh, do you need mentorship to make that happen? Do you just need the guile to take the risk? Um, do you, should you be reskilling yourself, getting, getting new uh, qualifications before you even think about making that journey? In your experience and from what you've seen, what's the right way to do it? Yeah, so I mean, I can only speak about my personal experience here. Um, I started off in my undergraduate in finance. Um, I actually really do like math and always have, even in grade school and high school. But after a couple of years of working in a hybrid role, um, so hybrid role is essentially one where you're doing part of kind of one departmental function and part of another. And so mine specifically was financial planning analysis where I did the bookkeeping, the month end, uh, and the consolidation for our auditors. But then it also exposed me to payroll benefits, uh, recruitment, and then some other HR functions like employee relations. Uh, after a couple of years doing this, I did actually realize that um, I needed variety for the rest of my life. I wanted to be able to do these types of things kind of for the rest or the foreseeable future. And so I started to look into, in true analytical form, um, what some of the cost trade-offs would be if I were to kind of continue along a CPA journey uh, versus getting an HR certification. 
So, I mean, for me, that meant looking into what future earning potential would be, um, what the labor demand was for each type of role, either an accountant or an HR manager. Uh, and then ultimately that landed me a few years um, in back into my career uh, looking into a post diploma at BCIT. So I really did value my university experience. Uh, it taught me a lot about kind of independence, critical thinking, and I wouldn't have skipped it. At least that's kind of my personal choice. Uh, but what I acquired in the diploma program at BCIT was completely different. It was very practical. The pace was mirrored to what a business uh, environment would be. You know, we didn't have these luxurious two or three months to work on uh, a project or a paper. You had a couple days. You had to work within a team that you didn't choose. And so those are the types of things that really helped me hit the ground running when I started to work in my first full-time HR role. So, I mean, in terms of that experience, I'd say for anybody who is um, you know scared or anxious about making those changes, um, do your homework, right? It's the only way you can really get started. There's always gonna be a trade-off, not just in money, but also in your opportunity costs and your time. Uh, and be honest with yourself about what's important to you and what you value. So when you start with that question first, uh, then you can actually look into the options that are appropriate for you. Like you said, some of the options are 12 weeks long. My journey was 12 months when I went back to school. Uh, and nowadays, there are so many diverse uh, options that are accessible in terms of training, development, and education. Uh, and so that's what I would encourage people to do, uh, do their homework, ask people about their personal experience, uh, and then really weigh that with what they want. We'll be right back after this message. So your business doesn't have a dedicated recruitment or HR professional, but every month you have HR and recruitment needs. What if these professionals were at your fingertips on an as-needed, when-needed basis? You know, kind of like a tap you can turn off and on. At High Road Human Capital, that's who we are and that's what we do. So if your company has gotten to the point where HR policies are needed or you're completely put off by the high price of staffing firms, or maybe there's hundreds, maybe thousands of unread resumes stacked up in your inbox, let us take all that pain away and only charge you for the time it takes us. You'll be billed according to our unique activity-based pricing model. You'll know where every penny was spent, no exceptions, no ambiguity. And your return on investment, so strong it's going to jump off the page and smack you. So to find out more, find us at highroadhr.ca or call us at 416-453-7023. So on a scale of one to 10, Van, how glad are you that uh, that you switched careers? Uh, of course, one being not glad at all, 10 being so happy. I would say a 10 for sure. Uh, if I had looked at what it, my life would have been like 12 years on as an accountant or a CPA, I think um, I probably would have missed out on a lot of the things that I found most valuable in my HR career. And that was being able to um, provide people with professional development as a program. Often HR kind of owns this within a business, uh, doing a lot of facilitation um, workshops and uh, really being the champion of mentorship. Now, this isn't always the case in, in every business, but I would say that for me, uh, if I wasn't in an HR role, I wouldn't have it, had the opportunity and the exposure to be able to accomplish those things. Now, as an HR professional yourself, what labor trends are you noticing in recruitment and training today? I would say it's 
honestly probably come pretty full circle for me. So I was just reading a, a white paper the other day about how uh, hybrid roles like the one that I first started off in are becoming more and more uh, in demand, uh, both in the fact that employers want them and that any candidate who kind of has this duality in their background is more desirable. Um, so whether it's an HR person like myself who has more analytical skills uh, and employers are looking to place a manager for total rewards and compensation or a marketing manager that needs to work with a um, CPG company or software company understand project management or um, product life cycles. These are the types of people that are going to be the new norm. So I'd say that's probably the biggest trend I've been noticing. Uh, and then in terms of what people can do about it, you know, like you said, and like we're discussing now, there's lots of uh, opportunities for people to not just reskill, but also upskill what they currently know. Okay, so that's the workforce as a whole, but specifically then, what about HR? What can HR do to remain current with the skills and, and job market demands? Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say uh, as an HR person, I would encourage HR professionals to be proactive and to seek out these types of resources. There's plenty of great papers, forums, networking groups that regularly publish research and thought leadership. You know, Innovate Work and Lighthouse Labs are two examples of that. Uh, and that's how you first kind of collect that information. But the second piece of it is you know, making yourself bold enough to actually act on them. Um, I think what I'd like for us all to see in the future workplace is the stereotype of HR people being risk averse, um, more reactional, not numeral, numerate, uh, to kind of die back and be less and less prominent. And it's not because, you know, the robots are going to take over, but because technology is going to become so intricately fused with everything that we're doing within our roles, um, that as HR people with the benefit of having emotional intelligence and real kind of experience dealing with people that will be able to apply some of that mastery to these more complex systems. Now, in the introduction there, I mentioned that uh, you've got a background in, within the cannabis industry. So mm -hmm. uh, listeners in the US and the UK and elsewhere, uh, a couple of years back, uh, cannabis became legal across Canada. And um, I'd, just, I'd love to hear from you. I, I appreciate this entirely uh, uh, left a field here, not related to anything mm -hmm. else we've been talking about, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Um, as someone who worked in the cannabis industry, if, if everyone metabolizes cannabis differently, I and mean, there's no test that can be used to effectively measure present cannabis impairment, then what testing methods and impairment limits can HR put in a policy? And should they bother? Uh, and what are the risks of not monitoring? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's very interesting that uh, even pre-legalization, so for both uh, kind of medical and adult use, uh, that people within the HR space and even business as a whole were so fearful of what this would mean for the workplace. Uh, for me, the way, the best way we were guided to approach it is to be um, pragmatic. It's not really a drug and alcohol policy. Alcohol is a drug, right? It's probably the most widely used legal drug uh, within our workplaces. So when the use of cannabis came in uh, from a medical and recreational standpoint, uh, for us, it's all the same parameters of balancing an individual's personal uh, rights, including their medical condition, uh, and then also just what is and isn't appropriate in terms of work performance. So although you can't um, test cannabis intoxication like you can with a blood alcohol test, very few people do that 
legally at least in Canada, in the workplace for blood alcohol. So I would say use the same um, kind of judgment as uh, you would with performance and uh, intoxication that impedes someone's performance. Are they able to communicate clearly? Are they making other people feel uncomfortable with how much they've consumed? Are they, um, you know, putting at risk their reputation or the businesses as an employee of the workplace? All of those things you can gauge by talking to someone, interacting with them. So I don't actually think that uh, when those things became legalized that uh, HR people really needed to apply it differently than whatever they already had in place uh, for drug and alcohol. Thank you very much. Very interesting indeed. Um, okay, let's get back on to talking about Lighthouse Labs. Uh, tell us t tell us uh, about what's new at Lighthouse Labs for 2020. Give us an overview of the business for those people who aren't particularly familiar. Yeah, so like you mentioned, uh, we are best known for our boot camp. Uh, and 2020 is going to be a really exciting year for us because it marks the launch of our part-time data analytics courses. Now, these courses are specifically geared and uh, created for non-technical workers. Uh, the idea is that we're trying to get uh, people like myself, people who work in marketing, people who work in product, um, even just people who are general managers, to really uh, get introduced and more comfortable with their data literacy skills. So our intro courses will cover things like um, what kind of questions to ask, uh, how to gauge a data and data set integrity, um, what you do with this information to be able to present it, uh, and then actual practice with common tools like Excel is probably the most common one that we all use in the workplace. Uh, it culminates with a capstone project. So we ask our students uh, to actually bring in uh, problems that they have from work. You know, I'm sure many of us could think of one right now that if we had the right tools, the right presentation abilities, uh, and the right places to look for these insights, um, we could actually try to solve that and then apply it at work. So hopefully this course and kind of this format will be a lot more accessible to people. Um, like I said, I don't think necessarily every skill in the immediate future is going to require uh, scripting or computer programming skills, but I do think that the more um, complex certain software becomes uh, automation and interfaces, it's going to be more prevalent for pretty much any type of role, whether you're working on the assembly line or you're working in customer service, to actually be able to read um, data. Wonderful. And for those people out there who want to learn more about Lighthouse Labs and all the awesome courses that you offer, how can they do that, Van? Yes. Well, they are encouraged to visit our website. Uh, so it's www.lighthouselabs.ca. Uh, in our program section, they can see the information about the various full-time and part-time courses. Uh, please follow us as well on all of our social media channels. Uh, so Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, and then on a regular basis, Lighthouse Labs either hosts individually sponsored um, events or we partner with uh, other businesses like yourself to discuss bring together thought leaders uh, and provide more options for what reskilling and upskilling looks like uh, within our workplace. And listeners, until next time, as always, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.